Half a day, and welcome to another episode of Live Till Five. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. It's Friday, June 15th, episode 269 of Live Till Five. Broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio, this is Live Till Five on KHMG 88.1 FM. Broadcasting all over Guam for the last 22 and a half years. Also all around the world through our website, khmg.org. That's khmg.org. So if you're near a computer or a phone with internet access or a tablet device, you can listen to our radio stream through the internet, khmg.org. And on the website there, there's a number of different ways that you can download or set up links so you can listen to the live stream. You can also download podcasts of this show and many other great programs we produce here at KHMG. Let us know you're listening through the website there. You can contact us or even better through one of our social media outlets, one of our social media platforms. For example, on Facebook, you can find us Harvest Family Radio Guam. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. So you can let us know you're listening there as well. So glad to have you with us today. This is our live local talk and variety program. Every week, 3 to 5 p.m. Been doing this for 269 episodes. Wow. Time flies by. Matter of fact, time has gone by so quick. I remember the topic of the day four years ago being the World Cup. And now it is upon us again. The World Cup started yesterday. So we're going to talk a little soccer in the second hour. So all of you soccer fans, we're going to do a little World Cup for dummies. That's not pejorative. That's just, you know, a general term for people that don't know but would like to know. So we're going to do some basics about the World Cup, talk about that a little bit. In the second hour, the first hour, though, we're going to talk about the most overlooked patriotic holiday, Flag Day. That was yesterday. Did you know that? Yeah, Flag Day. It was a big deal in certain places in the States. Here, of course, people are very patriotic on Guam, but Flag Day is, because it doesn't happen during the school year, it might miss out on a little bit of the notoriety it deserves. And so we're going to talk about Flag Day later on in this hour. Plus, Sebastian's back. We're going to have a quiz today. And we're going to drink some mediocre coffee here as soon as it's done brewing. So it's going to be a great day. Thanks for listening. Jared Baldwin, your host, episode 269. And it is the month of June. My good friend Bob Shuck provides me with different different content that I can use right here on the show. Matter of fact, uh, Bob was just recommending that he and I run for political office together. Actually, he recommended that I run for political office. But as a good politician, I turned the tables on him and recommended he run for political office and I'll be his running mate. And I, I suggested that we join the Bull Moose Party. Because that's just ubiquitous enough that people don't know exactly what we stand for. And so we can stand for everything. Like uh, our motto could be making Guam great again, one library book at a time. We can get that on some hats, maybe some scarves, uh, bumper stickers, uh, keychains, little those little keychains with the um, USB dongle, which is really actually a thumb drive, but it's shaped like a key and it can say, Making Guam great again, dot, 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 one library book at a time. 
vote for Shuck and Baldwin 2018. That has legs. That could go somewhere. Bob and I still need to negotiate on this a little bit. But anyway, Bob the Librarian provides me with all kinds of good content. Weekly, he provides me a Throwback Thursday list, which, of course, it's already Friday, but it is applicable because it's this week in history. So I'll be talking about that in a minute. But he also gives me this list from one of his many deep, Mariana's Trench deep resources. Uh, This is a list of monthly observances. Let's talk about a few here. Uh, Let's see. Did you know that it is Home Ownership Month, Ice Tea Month, Migraine and Headache Awareness Month, National Oceans Month, Papaya Month, Pest Control Month, Pet Preparedness Month, Rivers Month, Rose Month. Did you know Rose was my mom's maiden name? Now you know. Safety Month, Scoliosis Awareness Month. That's the curvature of the spine, I believe. Seafood Month, Smile Month, Soul Food Month. Steakhouse Month, and Zoo and Aquarium Month, and Okra Month. Just Let's just take a little radio poll right now. How many of you like okra? Anyone? Um, how many of you, you say, I like it, but there's a disclaimer. Like, it has to be cornbread battered or something like that. Like, corn battered, cornmeal battered okra. Yeah, like they serve at the buffets in the South. Yeah, okay. That's where I'm at, too. I don't think I've ever had okra any other way, except for maybe in a some kind of jambalaya type thing or something, or a, a paella, possibly. But uh, usually, battered and fried, especially in that cornmeal batter, mm, pretty good. Okra month, the month of June. Here we go. This week, so today being the 15th, we're kind of coming to the end of a week We will, uh, yeah, Dollars Against Diabetes Day starts on the 16th. That's just over the weekend. Animal Rights Awareness Week is is this next week. Hug Holiday. There you go. All those people that just need a hug, just walk up to them and just hug them. And when they get angry with you, just tell them it's a holiday. It's this week, National Hug Holiday Week. Don't do it till the 17th. So you can start on Sunday at church. Um, National Hug Holiday Week, and just hug people. There you go. Um, now, you are taking your life in your own hands when you do this with strangers. but And don't hug me. Just so you know, I have a three-foot um, uh, demilitarized zone all around me. It's an invisible force field where I rarely hug people, unless they're moving away and I never think I'll see them for a very long time. Okay, uh, National Week, uh, let's see. Uh, National Pollinator Week is the 18th or 24th. Father's Week, probably because of Father's Day. International Listening Days, ironic that that goes during the same week as Father's Day. Uh, let's see here. American Radio Relay League Field Day. Okay, so that's probably something that's a classic, you know, ham radio operator holiday or something like that. And we'll learn more about that later when our radio expert comes on the air. Carpenter Ant Awareness Week is later this month as well. Interesting. Let's see what's happening on these days. Today being the 15th, Global Wind Day, Magna Carta Day, National Day of Prayer for Law Enforcement Officers, National Flip-Flop Day, those are also called Zories, National Lobster Day, Native American Citizenship Day, 
Nature Photography, Ugliest Dog, World Elder Abuse Awareness, and Worldwide Day of Giving. That's the 15th. 16th, Bloom's Day, Fresh Veggies Day, uh, Ladies' Day in Basketball, Mermaid Day, National Fudge Day, Polar Bear Swim. Hmm, that must be in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, World Juggling Day and World Sea Turtle Day. The 17th, Eat All Your Veggies Day, Family Awareness Day, Father's Day. Father's Day, yes, Father's Day. Husband Caregiver Day. Apple Strudel Day. What a great day to celebrate Apple Strudel Day, Father's Day. Stewart's Root Beer Day. Very good root beer, by the way. Even their sugar-free root beer is good. Let's see. The 18th, Autistic Pride Day. Go Fishing Day. Uh, International Panic and International Picnic Day. Sushi Day. Cheesemakers Day. Cherry Tart Day. I remember us celebrating this a couple years ago, Cherry Tart Day. Splurge Day and Ride to Work on Motorcycles Day. 19th, Garfield the Cat Day. Juneteenth, uh, World Sauntering Day and Sickle Cell Day. The 20th, American Eagle Day, International Surfing Day, Vanilla Milkshake Day, World Productivity Day, and World Refugee Day. The 21st, next Thursday. Let's see here. Baby Boomers Recognition Day, Cuckoo Warning Day, Finally Summer Day, or finally winter. It's basically the first day of summer in the... Uh, and it's winter, first day of winter in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, go Skateboarding Day. International Yoga Day. Midsummer. Daylight Appreciation Day, because it is the longest day as well. Dog Party Day. Uh, let's see here. Peaches and Cream. Selfie. Recess at Work. Summer Solstice. Tall Girl Appreciation. World Handshake Day. And uh, World Hydrography Day. And World Music Day. Those are all on the 21st. There you go. Now, we're going to take a short break here in a second. But I want to make sure that uh, you know that we are having our big VBS final night. And if you have any children that are first through sixth grade, we would love to have them come to our VBS night tonight at 6 o'clock. Come to the gym. It doesn't really start till about 6.15, 6.30. But if you get here plenty early, we just love to have them here. They get to play fun games. They're going to have a great story time. They get to do a craft. They get to be around a bunch of other kids. We've been having about 120 kids plus every night. And we have about 75 workers, so it's a really good ratio. And tonight, something special. We're going to open up the hub for parents. When they drop their kids off, you can swing by the hub. We're going to have a limited menu, just a few drink options, but we'd like you to swing by, show you a little hospitality. We're going to give you a free drink, give you some flyers about other things that are happening this summer for your kids. But parents, you're welcome to stop by the hub after you drop your kids off. And then we're just giving away the drinks and handing out the flyers, meeting the parents that have been dropping their kids off. And then we're going to send you back over so you can watch the final parts of VBS. So Vacation Bible School, it's open to the community. We would love to have everyone come that can come and we will host all the parents coming through the hub throughout the evening. You don't have to come right away. It'll be open all evening and giving out free drinks to all the parents at VBS tonight. So there you go. And you'll see me in there because I'm going to be the one hosting it. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. This is Live Till 5, episode 269 on this Friday, June 15th. Glad to have you with us today. More Live Till 5 after this short break.
And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. It's 3.23 on this Friday, June 15th. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Episode 269. We're in summer mode. And in summer mode, we don't have all of the bells and whistles that we have during school year mode. One of those bells are the drinks that are provided by the hub. And one of those whistles is Lawrence Nagengast with This Day in History. So no bells and whistles today. Now we do have a, I don't know, maybe a, you know, one of those triangle instruments. That that would be Sebastian is back. So no bells or whistles, but we have a triangle today. So Sebastian will be on the air here with us in a little bit. But because Lawrence is in here, let me, let me make my feeble attempt at imitating him with This Day in History. All right. First, I want to go back to the fact site from the Lincoln Library Online, which was provided to me by Bob the Librarian. This week in history, the Second Continental Congress in 1777 passed a resolution to make the Stars and Stripes the official flag of the United States. Hence why we're going to talk about Flag Day in a little bit here. 1805, explorer Meriwether Lewis wrote about his first sighting of the Great Falls in the Mississippi. Uh, let's see here. Harriet Butcher Stowe was born in 1811 in Litchfield, Connecticut, uh, on this week in history. Let's see here. 1877, flags flew all around public buildings to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the acceptance of the Stars and Stripes. Uh, 1898, this week in history, a force of about 16,000 soldiers, including Theodore Roosevelt, left Florida for Cuba to support its fight for independence from Spain. 1900, touchy subject, Hawaii was declared a U.S. territory with Sanford Dole as territorial governor. Actually, it's very interesting because uh, the new government, as it held power, Grover Cleveland, uh, let's see here, let me, let me read you the whole thing here. 1893, a so-called Committee of Safety seized power from Queen uh, Liu Kalani, Hawaii's last royal ruler, a provisional government was established, but U.S. President Grover Cleveland denounced it. However, the new government held power with American businessman Sanford Dole installed as the quote-unquote president of Hawaii. Five years later, a congressional resolution annexed Hawaii to the United States. Almost two years after that came the declaration that Hawaii was a U.S. territory with Dole as a territorial governor. You know what? I don't know if I want to eat Dole pineapple anymore. I don't know if I like that guy. Maybe maybe I'm not getting the whole story there. 1946, this week in history, President Donald Trump was born in New York City. And in 1963, this week in history, the Soviet Union launched two space flights just two days apart. U.S. astronaut John Glenn orbited Earth on February 20th, 1962. His flight was duplicated by U.S. astronaut Scott Carpenter, May 24th, 1962. A year later, the Soviets launched two flights, not to be outdone, on June 14th and June 16th. The June 16th flight was notable because of Soviet Vostok 6 rocket carried cosmonaut Valentina Tereshkova, the first woman to travel into space. Very interesting. This same history. Thank you, Bob, for that information. And I still haven't heard back from your campaign committee whether or not we're running for office together under the bull moose party but i'm taking calls today bob all right here's some things from this day in history june 15th uh let's see 12 15 june 15 12 15 king john signs the magna carta at runnymede near windsor 
England. Boy, running me. Now I remember that from like those elementary history class tests. 1775, George Washington appointed commander-in-chief of the Continental Army the day after Congress establishes the force. 1896, tsunami strikes Shinto Festival at the beach in Sanriku, Japan. 27,000 people were killed. 9,000 injured. 13,000 houses destroyed. Wow. 1940, World War II, France surrendered to Nazi Germany. German troops occupy Paris. 1991, climactic eruption of Mount Pinatubo volcano in the Philippines, the second largest volcanic eruption on Earth of the 20, 20th century. I was stationed in Japan when Mount Pinatubo blew up. It almost buried uh, Clark Air Force Base, Clark Air Base, in ash, and they had to evacuate everyone from Subic Point and... and uh, I think, uh, or Subic Bay and QB Point and uh, Clark Air Base, and they brought many of them up to Misawa, Japan, where I was stationed. And uh, let's see, in 2015, real estate mogul Donald Trump launched his campaign for U.S. president. What else happened on June 15th? Some famous birthdays here. Uh, Sam Giancana, I think he was a famous mobster, if I'm not mistaken. Yuri and Dropoff was born June 15th. He was born 1914, 1984. Xi Jinping uh, from China, 65 years old today. Actress Helen Hunt, Courtney Cox, Ice Cube, all born on this day. Famous weddings, 1777. First American flag seamstress, Betty Ross, at 25 years old, uh, weds the mariner, Joseph Ashburn, 1905, Princess Margaret of Connaught marries Gustav, Crown Prince of Sweden. 1928, uh, let's see here. Uh, nothing else interesting there. Not going to go through the famous divorces, of course. Let's see. There were some famous people that passed away. Uh, let's see. Ah, we'll skip all that. It's kind of depressing. Okay, let's go to happy little accidents here for just a moment, folks. Thank you for bearing with me. Matter of fact, you know what I need? A sip of some mediocre coffee. Stand by one second. Ah, from a pretty clean cup. So that's a, that's a, and that makes for a pretty decent afternoon on a partly cloudy day. There you go. Uh, one of the happy little accidents, I get these, of course, from the book, donated graciously by Helen Middlebrook. Accidents may happen. 50 inventions discovered by mistake by Charlotte Foltz Jones. And today's happy little accident I'm going to do two. Masonite and matches. First off, Masonite. Uh, you probably push, shove, lean against, sit on, throw stuff on, or look at Masonite many times every day. I'm looking at some right now. How many of you do not know what Masonite is? Well, I'm going to tell you. Stay tuned. And you probably don't even realize what it is. Masonite is hardboard, a pressed wood. You might be sitting on some right now. It's used for drawer bottoms, shelves, door facings, baby furniture, and outdoor signs. A form of it is used to make siding and roofing for housing. Masonite became Masonite strictly by accident. William H. Mason, who had been an associate of Thomas Edison, was probably about 50 years ahead of his time. In 1924, the waste at lumber mills disturbed him. The mills had huge incinerators that burned waste chips, slabs, and edgings. Paper mills didn't want the waste wood. It contained too much bark. Factories that made insulation board didn't want it. They could get other raw materials and didn't want to bother with the waste wood. So lumber mills saw no alternative but to burn the wood that they couldn't use. 
Mason believed that if he could, if he somehow exploded the waste wood into tiny fibers, the fibers could be useful. He devised a system. He loaded wood chips into a closed vessel, heated and pressurized the vessel, then jerked open uh, the door. The chips exploded into fibers. Mason worked for months to perfect the system. But there was one problem. What was this stuff good for? Insulation boards seemed the only practical use for the exploded wood chips. Then an accident happened. One day, when Mason went to lunch, he left the fiber mat of exploded wood chips in a press. It might not have mattered much, except that the press had a leaky steam valve, which exposed the fiber mat to both heat and pressure for a long time. When Mason returned, he found a thin board in place of a thick, soft piece of insulation. The thin board was dense and tough. Mason pounded on the new board. He soaked it, cut it, tested it. The board stood up to every punishment, and Mason realized he had invented something tremendous. But, most important to him, he had found a way to use waste products of, uh, that others thought were useless. There you go, masonite. It's like a pressed board product. Here's another one. Matches. Since boys... Since boy and Girl Scout training had not yet been invented, prehistoric people must have accidentally discovered rubbing two sticks together would create fire. I don't know about that, but unfortunately, no one improved on fire much for the next half, I don't know, a couple thousand years. Then in 1669, a German chemist named Henning Brand produced phosphorus. And in 1680, a British physicist named Robert Boyle used some small pieces of phosphorus to light splinters of wood dipped in sulfur. These matches were used for about 150 years, but phosphorus was scarce and expensive and gave workers in match factories a dangerous disease disease called Fossey Jaw. I've read about that. One day in 1826, an English chemist named John Walker was working in his laboratory in Stockton on Tees. He was trying to produce a new explosive, but as he stirred his mixture of potash and antimony, a glob formed on the end of the stirring stick. Walker tried to remove the glob by scraping the end of the stick on the stone floor, but the glob didn't come off. Instead, the stick burst into flames. Walker unintentionally invented the friction match. Walker called his match matches Congreves and demonstrated them in London, but he never patented the invention. In 1836, in the United States, Alonzo D. Phillips of Springfield, Massachusetts, obtained a patent for manufacturing of friction matches and called them uh, locofocos. One estimate says American strikes uh, Americans strike more than 550 billion matches a year. Yeah, locofocos. L O C O F O C O S. Not sure why he called it that, but yeah, 550 billion matches a year just in America. Plus lighters and you know grill lighters and Yankee candle lighters and things like that. So, wow. Those are happy little accidents. Let's take a little break. I need to get another sip of coffee. It's Friday, June 15th, 3.34 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. Glad you could be with us on this Live Till 5 episode. 269 episodes behind us, and who knows how many ahead of us. Today's second-hour topic will be the World Cup, so stick around if you want to learn a little bit more about soccer and the World Cup, which started yesterday in Russia. We'll be back after this short break.
And we're back with a little more live till five. We're almost in midsummer mode. You know, it's not just it's not just summertime, it's almost midsummer in some ways. You could look at it as you know, the summer's well underway. Now, technically, it's not midsummer because the first day of summer isn't even till later this week on the twenty first. The summer solstice, the longest day of the year. Summertime begins. The long the shortest day of the year in the southern hemisphere. But for us, we've been rolling in summer mode for two or three weeks. We have VBS this week, Vacation Bible School, which is a definitely a summertime activity. And, of course, we have the summer sidekicks, you know, Joe and Ray's, the boys of summer. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so now um, before I ask Joe here, I'm getting a little buzz here, Chris. I'm going to let you uh, take a look at that. And I'm just going to talk to our listeners real quick about ways that they can get a hold of us. You can go to our Facebook page. Facebook has out. We've been on Facebook now for about six years. And I remember when we first started, we had like four people that were on Facebook following us. And it was like me, my mom, John Collier, and his mom. I think that was probably all the Facebook users that uh, contacted us through through Facebook, but you can find Harvest Family Radio Guam on Facebook. Joe, we talking in the mic. Let's just see if it's working. All right. Testing. Oh yeah, beautiful. Yeah, there we go. It's Your working. voice sounds smooth. Ah, oh, stop talking. You're Aww. like <laughs> sound like Shadow <laughs> Stevens of 1988. That's great. Okay. Thanks. Great. I think. Yeah. Um, Who's that? You sound like Optimus Prime. It's that smooth. <laughs> what? It's that smooth. Take that, Sebastian. I just saw that. I, I just <laughs> that saw a little thing about lie. that voice Jealous. actor. That voice actor. He's also the voice of Eeyore. Fun fact for you. Optimus yeah. Prime? Yeah. I don't remember that voice, but... Yeah, he's a, it's like, Autobots, roll out! Autobots, you know? roll out. But basically Eeyore, but a cool robot, basically. Oh! Yeah, like Transformers. Well, maybe Eeyore a, was a Transformer. Yeah, Eeyore, but he did <laughs> Eeyore cool in the Winnie voice. the Pooh first. He was a Winnie the Pooh uh, voice actor first. Anyway, enough about Joe's voice. I have Joe, Ray's, Sebastian, Chris here. And uh, we've all been waiting for Sebastian to get back just so we could have a little quiz. So, Sebastian, make this a special day for us. This is a special day. I'm so excited. You should be. Yes. This is the movie theater trivia. Yay. You know how how in theaters, before the movie starts playing, you get trivia sometimes? I've seen that. Kind of a play on that. Okay. Now, we're going to test the theory. That the first person to go always wins, because we're going to have Chris go first, because Chris hasn't been to the theaters in a while. In a while. 30. Since, How long has it been? Since Definitely since I was a teenager, so it's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. Since yeah. they have color films now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they don't have to Thank stop you. halfway through and switch the reel, so there's, right. it's really amazing right. the way it's going now, so... Is that yep. Chaplin guy still uh, a he's, hit? He, he is. And uh, you know what? They got rid of the organ up front so they don't have to play music. Okay, There's actually right. sound. They're like talkies, they call them now. Talkies. They're talkies. Oh, yeah, they goodness. actually have. Uh, and well, it, well it all wonders never cease. It's crazy. It's crazy. They have uh, women in movies now. It's not just guys. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, it's crazy. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going we're gonna to let Chris go first on the answers. We're going to test out our theory. The theory yeah. is... That at least nine times out of ten, whoever goes first seems to win the quizzes. Just seems to. Yes, correct. All right. Okay, Chris, you're going to go first. All right. 
Here we go. Question number one. During what war did popcorn become popular in movie theaters? Pop become popular. Mm. I know, right? Uh, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, or Gulf War? Well, during World War II, there was um, rationing taking place. And I'm not sure that the rationing would have allowed for popped corn. Or maybe it would have been an even cheaper thing, and maybe it would have. So maybe it's counterintuitive. So I'm going to go with counterintuitive, World War II. I'm going to go with World War I. Oh, that's not mm. an option. Oh, okay. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> so what were, is nice World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, Gulf War. The Gulf War, was that like the Arnold Palmer? Uh, oh, Gulf. You mean Gulf. Gulf. Not Gulf. Gulf. The Gulf War. Gulf. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, I'm gonna go with World War II as well. Ah. You be different. Korean War. You know what, Joe? When you're different, you're guaranteeing points. No matter right. what. For mm. either yourself or someone else. Exactly. Yes. So I'll either thank you for your generosity or I'll kick you out of the studio. <laughs> oh boy, no pressure. World War II for me. You peeking over here at nope. my answers? I'm not. All right. I'm not. I will have to end you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, your your talk is what I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> correct answer is World War Two. World War Two. Thank uh, you, Joe. Thank you. I appreciate your generosity. Joe, I'm guessing stay in the studio. I'm guessing the other treats would have been too would have been rationed. Hey, during that time, hey, Chris, I believe so. How about you I don't reason so. it out to no. everyone? No. <laughs> no, he's being he's being helpful to us. Exactly. Oh, I don't want them to help or, you. Oh, <laughs> or he might be throwing us off. And he could be throwing us that, off. That, this was my part. I get to say sugar rations meant that candy wasn't readily available. Uh-huh. So movie theaters oh. offered popcorn. You're stealing my thunder here, right? Mm. Just Sorry. stealing his corn. Just think it and then say you're stealing your his corn. You're taking the pop out of his kernel. <laughs> taking the pop out of my corn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, next right. question. Question two. Next I'll take question. the point. I don't care how I got it. <laughs> I want a point. True or false? Movie theaters make the most off of movies during the opening weekend. Hmm. True or false? Well, of course, you have those huge, huge numbers during the opening weekend. I don't know. I don't know if that's when they make the most, but it seems logical. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say true. I'm going to say false. And I will reason it out so that these what? guys have the no. benefit. Don't no, you okay, do I won't. It. I won't. I won't. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll wait. But I have a reason I, up here. I, I have a see, reason. Up I here. could imagine the reason. I, I have I a bet reason. I know I'm going to say is. false. True. Taru. I'm say true. I'll just do false, just because. It's got to be false. It's false. Yeah, buddy. All ticket I profits can't. go to the studios for the first month or so. So oh. that's why they're not. Yeah. That's why. So it's like a curve, and. If you think about the longevity of a like a movie that does well, and you, there's a limited number of seats in every theater, and so on the first day, even if you fill up all the seats, you can only go up to a certain number. Whereas a movie that trickles through and stays out for like a month, you can just continually get this slow, steady revenue stream. Well, and there's this true or false question issue that always comes up, where they give you something that seems like it would be logical, but it's really false. I know. You're, it's one of those deals. You got whooped by your own logic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, next question. So with that in mind, what is the main way movies, movie theaters make a profit? Pre-film ads or concessions? I mean, at $12 for a, for a, a you know, 
uh, popcorn. I mean, I, I would it would it, it, I would imagine it's concessions, but if also if they if they boost them that high, that probably means it's because they don't make much money from them. So I'm gonna say ads. Hmm. I'm going to say concessions because soda is super cheap oh, and popcorn is super cheap. That's right. And so those super two cheap. things, like 12 cents for a for to make a 12-ounce oh, cup of soda, right. it's like 12 cents. And then the ice is maybe another 5 cents. Paper cup's like 20 cents. So you're talking the, the, the ratio on the two or three main items is really high. Plus, we've been approached about pre-movie ads for our school and they're inexpensive and they're not that expensive considering how many times oh. it would run but that's just me logicking Ooh. my way through it <laughs> joe i like jared's logic so yeah. a multitude of words i liked it better after i heard it too <laughs> going with his answer yeah it's concessions i saw it somewhere on the internet it's for sure. Okay, as long as you didn't look over at my paper and saw it no, there. No, no, <laughs> It is concessions. Popcorn has a 1,275% markup. It can cost 37 cents to, ma- to make popcorn, right. and it can be easily sold for five bucks. Yeah, and if you, you consider, so when you go to the grocery store and you buy four pop secret microwave popcorn bags, and it's like $4, like, so it's a dollar a bag basically. Yeah, and you know the markup there is like three, four hundred percent. And then yeah. you go to theater, and they charge triple that sometimes, and they're buying in bulk, like by the tons. And so, yeah, the it's 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 a pretty good gig. We and should they, set up a popcorn stand here. The as other well issue is they sell you those huge thing of huge things of popcorn, so yep. you'll buy soda with extra it. salt. Yep, yeah, they do it. It's a, it's a, they pump the uh, smell of yeah. butter oh, yeah. and stuff into the air. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, wonderful, smart, wonderful smell. Yeah. All right, next, next question. My stomach's growling. Generally, how many people are working in a projection booth? Zero, one, two, or three? Um, these days, you wonder if it's zero, but I think it's still one in case anything goes wrong. I'll say one. I'm talking it through. I again. would say, hmm. I would say one also. Yes. Do you I, want to talk it through anymore? Or? Well, no, because I don't want to give away my thoughts. <laughs> I okay. think it's supposed to be one, but there's been plenty of times where I would go to watch a movie and then it would just stop playing, you know, power outage or something, and then start off, you know, incorrect, and we're just waiting 20 minutes until someone gets up yeah. to go and tell someone. Oh. Well, the whole place is before. run by teenagers. I mean, yeah. you know, we know that. So is it like... They got fired from, well, think about this, from the local if it's so generally. cheese. Generally. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say one then if it's generally, but... If it's some teenager, you know he has his girlfriend up there, too. That's true. That's true. I'm telling you. You're so right. Free so movie. that could be factored in. Hey, Sally, you want to come watch a movie with me? I'm, <laughs> I'm, working, the the, I'm working the evening shift. And it's going to be awesome. Incredibles 2 is on. You can watch it for free. And <laughs> my friend will give us some free popcorn. They collect it in the seats after everyone leaves. <laughs> When I sweep up afterwards, <laughs> I get all the popcorn. As I get those refillable cups, and I wash them in the men's room, and then I bring them out, and we get free soda. That's awesome, boys. <laughs> you should, like, consider doing cartoon characters. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Good. Thanks, thanks. Uh, I'll be here all week. Thank you very much. Oh, watch out, Optimus Prime. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, what are the options? Zero, one, two, or three. I say, I'm going to say zero. Zada. Thank you. 
Oh, well, Ray's got a point. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay, here unless you're watching something on hey, film. Hey, Sally, they just told me that they don't need me in the in the projection room anymore, so I can't bring you to the movie. Will you buy me a ticket and we'll just watch it instead? <laughs> unless you're well, unless you're watching something on film, it's an automated projector running on a file off a hard drive. What? Um and it's true cuz huh. I I actually went to the say I went to yeah, we we went and saw a movie and it was like it was out and this is because of uh digital projectors now because usually it was it used to be film yeah in which there had to be someone up there to run the film and sure. switch the reels but yeah. with digital projectors it's uh different now different i thought ballgame. that there was a there was a movie it. some some type of um cinemagraphic special movie this last year that um that they actually distributed the reels of film to theaters across america because it was supposed to be such a spectacular like the way mm. they filmed was supposed to be so beautiful. I think it was a nature film, hmm. and it was a limited release, and they actually sent out. So well, I wonder I if they still have yeah. the old reel to reel. Generally, generally, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> just just for conversation. There are exceptions, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Last question here: the transition of film to digital projectors in movie theaters helped smaller theaters grow. True or false? It helped smaller. So the transition from film grow. projectors to digital projectors helped yes. smaller theaters grow. I wonder if those film projectors were expensive and hard to purchase and hard to maintain and getting warmer. You had to have somebody run them, and I'm going to say yes, true. I'm going to use the exact same logic in the opposite direction. Ooh, that oh. the upgrade. Was a killer. Them are fighting words. That's my. So I would say false, for oh, the exact wow. same reason you said. Yeah, true. you're right. That could be true as well. Yeah, I say true. Taru. True. True. Jared gets the point here. Oh. Securing his victory. False. The transition of uh, it has put smaller theaters out of business and seemed like a plot to put more business in the bigger companies. Yeah, because uh, wow. the bigger companies could handle the digital projectors and I actually I, I remember a bunch of like uh, drive-in theaters being closed down because of the switch to to uh, digital and yeah. they had to try and raise money to, to buy those digital projectors so so digital is more expensive than the film? digital projectors were, were yeah cost more huh. yeah I guess I if you had a, four, a 4k digital projector maybe that it's not more expensive if you were to buy a brand new reel-to-reel and a brand new 4k side by side yeah. the 4k might be cheaper but you have already owned the reel-to-reel -reel projector, yeah. and now you have to mandate an upgrade. Mm -hmm. That would be an expensive, especially if they have like nine theaters, nine you know showings in one place. You got to back up. And they're always expensive when they first came out. Came exactly. Out. Like yes. if you think about uh, uh, digital cameras when they first came out, you just thought to yourself, "This is ridiculous. Yeah. I could oh, never yeah. buy a digital camera. Yeah. I'll just have to keep my film camera forever." But eventually. It gets to be cheap yeah. enough. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. With that logic, I mean, you have yeah. the, you have the stream of movies coming out, and suddenly you have this this jolt where, like, because movies were being produced digitally, and they were like, it's like they weren't going to show in theaters that only did film. It's like right. they weren't sending film anymore. It was right. just so that was forcing them to have to try and raise money, yeah. or lest yeah. they like not ha show digital films, and then people wouldn't come to them. Because I think that's why there films. are some there are those uh, dollar theaters in, in you know all across America where they only show old movies they don't show anything new we used to have one here in guam for a while i forget the name of it but it was over there 
uh, off of the ITC intersection, I believe, and it was a old theater. And I think they still have the marquee up, and it's a movie from like 15 years ago, still on the marquee. Oh. But uh, yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Well, I wonder if that's still Jared. true, though. For like, thank you. For like today, if it's still true, because digital projectors are reasonable now. I mean, I just bought well, one. But for at the time, bucks. it was a killer yeah. of the the. Th- yeah, yeah, it probably yeah. it was Smaller the theaters. fatal blow. It, it it either you either could afford or not afford to upgrade. Anyone that's in the market now probably they can afford they can, it. But yeah. the the TV we have in the back of the church auditorium, someone donated five thousand dollars to the ministry about yeah. twelve years ago, and we bought that TV. It yeah. weighs three hundred and fifty pounds. It generates you know however many. Um, whatever Jimmy Neutrons of heat, and then it it it, it, it we had to get BTUs, all kinds of right? BTUs, sure, <laughs> and uh, 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 Kelvin's or whatever. Um, oh. it, you know, it's there's there's Kelvin, some other. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a Kelvin is a is a superheat, and um, but and then we had to have like a converter box and all this, and that was a five thousand dollar TV. The TV that I bought it cost you less a year and a half ago was one twelfth of that price. And the TV I bought at cost less a year and a half ago now would be half of that price. So it'd be like, you know, one twenty fifth of the price to get yeah. something that's better quality, generates no heat, plugs mm-hmm. into everything. So yeah. Upgrades, technology. That's uh that'll be a topic for a future show. So we have a couple minutes left before we go to the top of the hour and we use our famous bumper music. I mean self ascribed. Famous. famous. Yeah. We we did a whole segment on bumper music last week. Joe, what are you doing this weekend? What am I doing this weekend? Uh, helping Brandon with some errands, um, which is, yay, that's really interesting to share to everybody. Yeah. Uh, what else yeah. am I doing this weekend? <laughs> it's like driving Miss Daisy. Um, probably hang out with this dude. Maybe work yeah. a little bit. Which dude? You have, to, you have to clarify oh, yeah, on the because, radio. Because the, you can't <laughs> see. <laughs> yeah, it's the theater Sorry, the video mind. guy. Um, Ray's. I am looking at Ray's. And, and you just got back from Saipan, too, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah Ray's is a name, not an action. Yeah, there you go. Ray's, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, hang out with this dude. Probably working on the house. Which dude? That, yeah, <laughs> working on the house. <laughs> All right, so Joe just got back, and then Sebastian just got back. What are you guys doing this weekend? Which uh, which dude are you hanging out with, just so we know? No dudes. Okay. Dude. I'm hanging out with my yeah. wife. Okay. And yeah. uh, probably unpacking and, um, yeah, uh, uh, shopping for groceries. Nice. Uh, Great. Great. Yeah. Fascinating. And uh, Chris, what are you doing this weekend? There is nothing on the agenda at this moment. That's but I'm tra- probably trying to figure out how to take some days off around here in yep. the next couple months. So I'll probably be Do planning it. for that. You work hard for your money. You you right. you deserve some time off. Exactly. Yes, you know? I do. Yeah. And uh, Jared, what are you doing this weekend? Well, what am I doing? Well, I'm celebrating the one-year anniversary of the greatest German chocolate cake I've ever oh. had in my life. Wow. That was one year ago, this this episode. No way. 52 episodes ago. It wasn't uh, to the date, because it's not a leap year, but it was life. to the Jeez. to the. Where year. was yeah. I? Yeah, we Where had the greatest German, you didn't German, have the German chocolate, chocolate no. cake. The legendary. You, you missed out. Legend. That's like someone that didn't get to see Hale-Bopp's comet streak through the sky. It, it's not going to happen again for another 343 years. <sighs> so so for us now. to describe it, we can show you pictures. It's on our Facebook. Didn't you oh, have some race? I did. Yeah, and, it's amazing. And, uh, it and fed amazing. five families, and there's still half of it to go around. Yeah. I'm glad and I have it, friends It think inspired, of me. it ignited something in someone that could not be quenched. And now they're married, and now they're having a little... <laughs> 
German chocolate boy uh, <laughs> in a couple months. Literally, awesome. that is actually pretty accurate. Yeah, you're gonna, <laughs> so that's awesome. So we're going to name him. You should name him like Hans or Fritz, you know, a Fritz. good German name. Fritz, Fritz nice. chocolate. And then he'll be like, oh, German chocolate. Remember when you brought the cake and everyone and we were here to observe it all. Anyway, hey, well, great. Uh, you guys, thanks for coming in, being good sports. And that was fun. We're going to take a short break. Listeners, stick around. This is Live Till 5. You're listening to us on 88.1 FM. KHMG, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata Guam, episode 269 of Live Till 5. We have a whole nother hour, and in the second hour, we're talking about our theme of the day, World Cup. So stick around, more Live Till 5 after this short break. And we're back with the second hour of Live Till 5. It's Friday, June 15th, 4.04 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. Broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. This is Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Episode 269. You can go to our website, khmg.org, download the podcast, or listen to the live stream. That's khmg.org. You can also let us know you're listening through our Facebook, Harvest Family Radio Guam. Find us, subscribe follow us we appreciate we appreciate your patronage and we would love to hear from you as well you can send us a private message through facebook let us know you're listening we get word back from people all over the place and really just random times different times we'll talk about one little topic and that'll just grab someone's attention and that's a great conversation starter when someone bumps into us but you don't have to wait to bump into us Matter of fact, we'd rather you not bump into us. We'd rather you just send us a message. But if you don't get sent us a message, you see us, of course, let us know you're listening. We do appreciate that. And we are glad to be with you on this 269th episode. We've been doing this show so long that we've talked about the World Cup twice because it only comes out every four years. I think we did the same thing with the Olympics as well. So now um, before we get into the Next part of the show, I want to talk to Sebastian about his vacation. But before we do that, I want to talk about yesterday's kind of overlooked patriotic holiday, Flag Day. Flag Day was a big deal. When I lived in New Hampshire, little town of Dublin, New Hampshire, in the shadow of Mount Monadnock, our church, before I got there as the pastor, had had agreed with the town of Dublin to display... About 100 American flags, full-size American flags on poles that were mounted to light poles all up and down the main drag of town on both sides of the street. They wanted to be one of the most patriotic towns in America. And so all these flags were stored at our church in the parsonage, and then someone in the church would go and hang them all up. And uh, we'd put them up on Flag Day, take them down after the 4th of July. So we'd leave them up and very picturesque, and if you are someone from the U.S. that ever got an issue of Yankee Magazine that was actually published in Dublin, New Hampshire, 
It's a very popular magazine for people like that coastal living type decorative homespun type magazine, Yankee Magazine. And Dublin, our hometown, of course, was the headquarters and it was featured in there. And even the American flags were featured in there. So, Flag Day. Here's uh, the history of it, just a little bit from CNN here. Uh, president, uh, the president and the American flag are each celebrating another year of life. Okay, we talked about that from Donald Trump's birthday, June 14th. New York and Pennsylvania were some of the early states to recognize Flag Day celebrations, and private citizens lobbied for a national observance. According to the Department of Defense, the first unofficial national flag day occurred June 14, 1877. Remember how I said that all across America, people, all across government buildings, they displayed the American flag? President Woodrow Wilson and Calvin Coolidge eventually issued proclamations asking for the observance of Flag Day nationally. Congress officially approved in 1949, and President Harry S. Truman signed it into law. Good old President Harry S. Truman from my hometown. Following the hallmark year, 1776, the U.S. got the first official flag. It was on this day in 1777 that the flag resolution stated, Resolved that the flag of the United States be made of 13 stripes alternating red and white, and the Union be 13 stars with white in a blue field representing the new constellation. The 13-star flag became associated with Betsy Ross, a rendering of whom you can see above the uh, George Washington in this article here, if you look up the CNN article. It should be noted that there's no definitive evidence that shows that Ross did in fact create the first iteration of Old Glory. The stripes borrowed from the Grand Union flag of the Continental Army, okay, which itself had been inspired by the stripes of the flag of the Sons of Liberty. The 13 stripes continue to pay tribute to the original 13 colonies. As the country grew, so did the number of stars in the field of blue, which were required subse- they required subsequent flag acts. The Star-Spangled Banner of National Anthem fame had 15 stars on it, in ni- in, uh, on it, and in 1912, President William Howard Taft signed an act dita- dictating the star's pattern, with President Dwight D. Eisenhower tweaking the arrangement to provide for the addition of Hawaii and Alaska to the United States. A lot of good... Neat information about the United States flag. Old glory, the star-spangled banner. Number of things from Mental Floss about rules for displaying the American flag. I'll run through these quickly. First, you can fly the flag upside down. The code goes to extreme lengths to define the rules of the flag, especially with regard to the position of the Union or the blue field, where the 50 state stars are uh, displayed. Obviously, the best way to fly the flag is on a pole with the Union up. But you can also fly it upside down with one catch. You have to be in some serious trouble to do so. Fly the flag upside down only as a signal of dire distress and instances of extreme danger to life or property. I've heard about um, forts and bases in the old days. If they were having to surrender or they were under serious attack, sometimes they would fly the flag upside down. No flag can hold prominence over the American flag, though there are two exceptions. For Americans, old glory is tops when it comes to flag flying, the flag flying game. But despite the general rule, it should always be the most prominent. It's not always the most prominent. Section 7 of the flag code decrees that no flag should be placed above the flag of the United States. But one exception is that flag of the United Nations can be flown in a superior position, although only at the UN headquarters in New York. One other exception involves a church pennant being flown to fly above the American flag during services performed by Navy chaplains while at sea. As for your house, it looks like you should definitely make sure the American flag is on top. So there's almost no time that you'll ever see anything above the American flag. 
You can fly multiple countries' flags, but Old Glory always gets first first choice. Um, other countries have similar rules as well. I'm just going to kind of fly through these here. You can put flags on your vehicle, but only in a certain way, and there's very specific rules. It shouldn't be draped over any means of transportation. That's car, motorcycle, train, anything like that. That's why there are a lot of buntings and um, banners and things like that that have red, white, and blue but you don't see the flag itself draped over everything. So the buntings symbolize the red, white, and blue and the patriotism without having to violate the flag code. You can fly an all-weather flag all year long, but if your flag is not all-weather, you should not leave it out in the, in the rain and everything like that. Uh, you also always have to have the union side, the blue part of the flag, top left. So if it's hanging vertically, the union side, the blue, has to always be to the top left. And you can fly your flag in the dark. Lowering or taking down a flag at sunset isn't strictly enforced code. It's just a universal custom. Yet, when a patriotic effect is desired, you can let the, th- let the flag soar day and night as long as it's properly illuminated. And then you can go on and on. Um, if you have a flag, you should display it on Flag Day, Fourth of July, Liberation Day, things like that, Veterans Day. It's very appropriate, and it's, it's kind of a show, a symbolic show of patriotism and you know, just all around being a good citizen. So we appreciate that. I'm a, I'm a veteran of the Air Force, not a retired veteran, just prior Air Force. And I really always get a, a swelling feeling in my chest of pride, national pride, when I do see the American flag flying in people's homes and things like that. So now let's switch gears here for a second. Sebastian Basildua and his wife, Jessica, just came back from a worldwide trip and he got to do a pizza tour. Um, he got to uh, visit other countries. I think they took some square dancing lessons, um, things like that. So, Sebastian, <laughs> what, tell us about your trip. You know, everything you said was 99% true. Uh, I won't right. say which part, just to keep okay. people on their toes. But uh, <laughs> it was it was good. Um, I'm tired of flying now. And uh, that was my first time being back in the States for two years. And I got to go to Minneapolis, got to go to a Twins game, baseball game. Uh, that was my second major league baseball game I ever attended. And uh, Who were they playing? Um, Ohio, Cle- Cleveland. Cleveland? Yeah, Cleveland. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. great. Um, the Indians. Yes, the Indians. And uh, they lost the that game, but they came back from nothing for, for a while, and then they weren't able to catch get one more point. Uh, but it's interesting because uh, one of the guys who's, who works here on uh, maintenance, Stefan, uh, he actually went to um, school with one of the players of the really? Twins. Really? Wow. Yeah, uh, Max Kepler uh, for the Twins. He, um, I guess he he he's come he's coming from Germany, and uh, and he Stefan was a uh, missionary kid. Wow. Over there, and so um, yeah, apparently he went to like middle school with him or something like that so uh, neat yeah so I, I i took video and actually the next day we were, we were wanting to go to the the baseball game the next game but it was scheduling it didn't work out uh but the next day they were giving out bobbleheads of max kepler uh, to all the, all the people oh, that's coming. cool that's cool so but we didn't we didn't get to do that because i wanted to bring him back a bobblehead of his friend so uh, <laughs> uh but yeah we 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 uh, were there got to see family what what cities were you in so on was, this trip i was in minneapolis uh, you know, flew into Chicago and then went to my hometown, which is surrounded by corn cornfields uh, called Forston. And um, 
uh, I mean, we went and flew in to Denver and then, then went back to Tokyo and stayed there a couple days, went to Disney Sea. So Tokyo was interesting because uh, when we showed up, uh, we, we were told there was like a bus that goes straight to our hotel. And so we got on this bus with all of our luggage because I didn't know about storing luggage at the airport. I'm so sorry. For all our <laughs> listeners, did you know if you have a long layover in to- in Narita, whether it's eight hours or eight days, they have you can actually drop your bags off. There's a little area there um, in the departure area where you go down to the buses and trains and you can actually rent space. They'll guard your suitcases for you and you can check them in and then you just pay a couple hundred yen per day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that, now you know. You'll never forget. Great. I will never forget that. And that's, you know, it's a, it's a vital lesson for our listeners. So thanks for being willing to sacrifice that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were dragging all your luggage through the so, whole city. Well, okay. So we got on this bus and we didn't know when the hotel was coming up and we're like, uh, is it here? But, there, you know, with the whole English, Japanese, you know, uh, there's a barrier in language. And so uh, we're like, oh, is it here? And we thought he said, yeah, but I think he was saying next block. And but we thought it was. So we started getting off and he got off as well to get get our stuff. And so we got our stuff off the bus and then we had to walk another uh, four city blocks uh, <laughs> with, you know, rolling suitcases, um, um, a big old car seat and a stroller and all of our our carry-on stuff. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, that was pretty fun. I was pretty beat when we got to the hotel. But, yeah, uh, we got to ride around on the trains and um, that Disney Sea. That was the first time I've ever been to any Disney stuff. Um, but it was a super fun experience. What was the best food you had in Tokyo? In Tokyo. <laughs> I won't say McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to incite a riot with all of our, our listeners that love <laughs> Japanese food. Um, well, I always love... Gyoza or Jiaoza, you know, however, whatever. Um, but uh, let's see. I think my favorite was like the the, the steak. It, it was like it comes out on a pan that's still hot, and you like pretty much it's cut up steak, and you flip it to whatever degree you want, you know, cooked. And uh, it's pretty good um, with some of the sauce there. I also had like a mountain of meat. It was called, and it was like roast beef on top of rice, and had like egg cracked mm. on top of it, and it like was cooked. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then some sauce that I don't know what it was exactly, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything that you tried there that you didn't particularly like? Any food? Um, well, there, we had an awesome homemade meal, um, uh, by, uh, uh, one of the Vanning's relatives, um, and, um, it was wonderful. I just am not used to seaweed. And so, like, we, we had our seaweed on the rice. and mm-hmm. um, The um, flakes or the whole sheet? Of like it? a whole sheet, yeah. you know? And it was a good it was a good meal, but I, I just, I'm not used to the seaweed yet. I'm not saying I can't get used to it in the future, but, you know. Um, I, I, uh, I wouldn't say I didn't like it, but it was just something I wasn't used to. Yeah. Because um, I don't normally eat that. But it was still really good, and, uh, and our cook was amazing, and... Uh, yeah, and another cool thing was while we were there in Japan, we got to visit the uh, a church. Um, uh, my my wife gave me some names: the Narashino Baptist Church, which, yeah, um, uh, I think they came here for a conference like a long time ago. They did, yeah, they yeah. did, yeah, yeah. Their pastor is the head of a organization here in the Pacific that a lot of missionaries are affiliated with. Yeah, and uh, I, I we got to hear 
we came there and there was like, well, they have a Japanese service, but then another guy, it was Pastor Peter uh, Maruyama. Yeah, Maruyama. He gave us yep. his testimony, and it was really interesting hearing his testimony um, with like World War II and all that stuff after all that stuff. And um, yeah, really cool to see you know Christ at work there in Japan too. Neat. So neat. Well, welcome back. Hopefully, you. Uh, you guys be able to kind of recover from your from your jet lag and all that. So. I'm sure it was a great trip. You guys, when's the next time you hope to go back to the States? Oh, I no idea. Uh, we'll have a baby now. so Yeah, um, it's a little different when you travel with kids. Whenever God opens the door. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Maybe you can bring some family out here. So. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sebastian, glad you're back. Thanks for sharing. All right. Listeners, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the theme of the day, topic of the day, the World Cup. Trying to give you some pointers. Maybe you're a soccer mom soccer dad maybe someone that's kind of on the fringes you know a little bit about u.s soccer we're going to talk about the world cup the biggest sporting event on the planet unless you know you're one of those cricket people this is the biggest sporting event on the planet we're going to talk about it after this short break so listeners stick around this is live till five it is 4 20 p.m on this friday june 15th i'm jared baldwin your host episode 269 of live till five more after this back with a little more live till five it's 4 25 p.m on this friday june 15th episode 269 glad to have you with us want to give a little shout out to ben middlebrook just heard that he won the gold medal in saipan representing guam in the 5k and then i had seen the results of yesterday's races he won the silver in the 3k and uh, I'm sure we'll get more details on that. Uh, maybe try and get him up here and interview him to talk about his experience representing Guam. Not only here, but his preparation leading up to this. And then he is also going to Yap to represent Guam again later this summer. So way to go, Ben. He's been training really for years and years for this, but specifically training to compete in this event uh, this last few months. He's been really putting in the time. And so... You'll often see Ben running in the heat of the day up and down Route 8 and uh, just really a very motivated individual when it comes to competing in sports and especially in running. So congratulations, Ben, on your silver and gold. Coming home with a little bling representing Guam there. Now, let's talk about something that at least two of us are passionate about. Soccer, football, so those are interchangeable. So if we say football, we're talking about what Europeans would call what we call soccer. So we're going to talk a little bit about the World Cup because it is the biggest event. It doesn't matter if you watch cricket or you saw the Sampras-Agassi match of 1987. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a NASCAR fan. It doesn't matter if, if you know, you like the, um, you know, 
tournament of Darwin, Australian rugby stuff, all of that pales in comparison to the impact of the World Cup. The World Cup is uh, FIFA's World Cup, the biggest soccer tournament in the world, most widely viewed sporting event on the globe, exceeding even the Olympics. Since the inaugural edition in 1930, the tournament has been held over every four years, with the exception of 1942 and 1946, when that little old war got in the way. Where is this year's tournament? Well, I'm glad you asked. 2018 World Cup will be staged in Russia. Actually, is there right now. The first time that that country has hosted the event, and the first time the tournament will take place in Europe uh, since Germany of 2006. So it's actually Asia, Europe. Uh, nine of the 12 hosting stadiums are brand new, while the remaining three, Moscow, uh, Fisht, and Sochi, um, are all renovated. And it started this week. Russia played Saudi Arabia, and I believe Russia won 5-0 on that. How many teams take place in the World Cup? Uh, this is the Men's World Cup. The Women's World Cup, by the way, is next year, 2019. And uh, there's the, the matches are starting soon. Actually, They've actually already started qualifying for the Women's World Cup, but we're not going to talk about that today. That is a whole separate event. But this year's World Cup consists of 32 teams. And if FIFA has its way, it could be the last time that such a number happens before the tournament expands to 48. And I believe this is going to happen. Enlarging the tournament uh, was already scheduled for 2026, which was just awarded to the United States, by the way. But there are plans to fast track it to 2022, which would be in Qatar, or Qatar, I believe. So now, Chris. Yes. We have people. We, we have many people listening that are the parents that sit in the collapsible beach chairs on the sidelines yes and watch their children and nieces and nephews and and friends kids and grandchildren play soccer you know whether it's for their school or their club and we have a few that might be serious enough that they watch a match or they at least watch the highlights on a on a sports broadcast yep and then we might have a very few that are really super fans, you know, of, of international soccer. And um, so I'd like to, since this is a big deal, and we like to inspire intelligent conversation most of the time, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the World Cup. And you know a lot about international soccer and international sport in general. So let's talk a little bit about the World Cup. Give us, give us a rundown on what's this year looking like, who's favored, things like that. Well, if you're not familiar with this event, you may not know that these are um, players that are from clubs. Like you're, you might pick a, a big club that you might know about, a Manchester United, a Real Madrid, something like that. All the players on that team are um, likely to have represented at some point in their careers – uh, their country, their home country, their home country. Yep. Um, there's like Luis Suarez. He's from Uruguay, Uruguay right? But he plays in the La Liga, uh, right? In, in Europe, Spain, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. So the 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 players come from teams all over the world, club teams, but they join together groups of players to play for their country. So there are uh, eight groups in the World Cup this year, and I'll give you a little bit of a rundown on. The groups, so you can know what's happening. Russia has played already against Saudi Arabia. They're in Group A. So you have Russia, Egypt, Uruguay, and Saudi Arabia. 
players you might know, famous players, probably the Egyptian player, Mohamed Salah is one of the most well-known players in that group. Ronaldo is probably one of the uh, – Portuguese Ronaldo is one of the most uh, well-known players, Cristiano Ronaldo, in the Group B where we have Portugal, Spain, Morocco, and Iran. Um, group C, maybe you know Paul Pogba from Manchester United, plays for France, France, Australia, Peru, and Denmark in Group C. And then Group D, Lionel Messi, best player in the world, perhaps best player in the history of soccer. And still going strong. Yeah, still going strong. He's a great, great player. Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, and Nigeria in Group D. Um, Group E, Neymar, plays for Brazil. Brazil. Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, and Serbia in that group. Group E, Group F, Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea. And then in Group G, Belgium, Panama, Tunisia, and England. You might know players in that that group. I'm not sure. They're not quite as well-known. Kevin De Bruyne uh, from Belgium and Harry Kane, one of the best strikers in the world from England. And then Robert Lewandowski, probably the best striker in the world, uh, from Poland, Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan in Group H. But the usual suspects are the favorites. So there are six teams that have won the World Cup. A couple of them have only won once, and that's Uruguay and England. The others have won multiple times. Um, Italy, Spain, France, Germany, Brazil, and England. Did I say Uruguay in there? I believe Uruguay has won once. So there's a, there might be... Is there seven? I thought there was six. Somehow I'm confused. Maybe Uruguay hasn't won. Uh, I I got it right earlier when we were talking, but yeah, I and then I threw you off this time. Uh, whatever the case may be, those usual suspects are probably the favorites. The number one favorite this year would have to be Brazil with uh, Neymar and his crew of players. Very very. Uh, dynamic team from brazil as they usually are germany is also a favorite germany is ranked number one as of june 7th uh in the fifa world ranking system yeah. with uh with 1558 points whereas the next one down brazil 1431 points then belgium portugal argentina switzerland france poland chile spain and peru right the FIFA rankings, everyone just laughs about. They really? have absolutely the, – the FIFA rankings have zero respect in the soccer world. There you go. I'm I mean, throwing I'm it away. About, uh, for the listeners, I just tossed it no over my cares. shoulder. I no just tossed it over my shoulder. So the, the best teams are Brazil, Germany, France, Spain, and Argentina. And pretty much everybody agrees those are the five teams that could win it now. And what? they have real soccer cultures there. That, yeah. That's one of the reasons why is because they have multiple generations of soccer culture right. as opposed to maybe a, a country that's relatively a newcomer. Some of these countries have, have either their country is relatively, you know, only had a, a decade or two of peace where they could really invest in this, like a, a Croatia or Serbia, somewhere like that, or they just have not had a, a football culture. Right. Yeah, and these these teams have the some of the best players in the world. So if you look at their rosters, they're going to have people that play at the biggest clubs, 
they played in the biggest competitions, usually in Europe or South America, and on really big money. If you look at how much money uh, some of these players are paid from the big teams, um, huge, huge money that everybody is on as well. So that's how you really find out whether these these guys are, are good, whether they play for the biggest yep. clubs, where they play, and that sort of thing. So, well, in some of the uh, – I was looking at this one article here uh, about why you should consider watching the World Cup this year, and one of the reasons they list is because – it's probably the last World Cup you're going to see Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi right. um, at the peak of their power. I mean, they, they could hang in there, but most likely four years from now, it'd be really hard to, yeah. to imagine them having the impact they're going to have this time. Um, and so because uh, Lionel will be 34 by the time the biggest tournament in the world um, starts in Qatar in four years, and Cristiano Ronaldo, CR7, will be three months short of his 38th birthday yeah. so unlikely leading portugal yet again and he's already lost a little bit of a step sure. he's not he's not the player he once was now messi hasn't lost anything he's right. he's right where he was before but uh yeah those are those are two big players but there are some other players that are really amazing kevin de bruyne if you get a chance to watch him and i i would say harry kane will probably have a great world cup one of the best strikers in the world from england um, I'm kind of rooting for England a little bit. I'd like to, to see them do well. I haven't done well in a long time. And since the United States is not in this thing, there are other... Yeah. Why don't you explain to people teams. why the U.S. is not in the World Cup? Uh, did not qualify for the World Cup. I believe that was that last February we lost to... Was it Honduras or something like uh, that? It was Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago, yeah. And they lost in Trinidad... And all and they had to do was Trinidad get a draw. Trinidad and Tobago is is about it's larger than Guam, but not that much larger than no. Guam. It's a similar nation state, yeah. and um, although they have had a longer culture of history with their European influences and things there, but still, yeah, that Team shouldn't USA, have happened. No, uh, USA lost. All and they it, had to do it was, was a, a result. Draw. It was a result of. Multiple losses. I mean, that yeah. was just the last nail in the coffin. Just the really. nail in yeah. the coffin because they they had a very a very poor campaign in what's called the hex, which is eight and eight team tournament to decide who will go to the World Cup. And so, from this region, from the Concacaf region, I say this region, Guam is not in it, right. even though we're part of the United States. But um, from the Concacaf region, which the U.S. is in, Mexico is there, and Panama is there, and I don't remember the others right off the top of my head. But Panama got in in our stead. They were the one that yep. qualified. Yep. I think Honduras, uh, Costa Rica, Costa Rica yeah. and um, I think that's it, just those three. Yeah. They're yeah. the ones that are actually in the World Cup, you're saying. In the yeah. World yeah. Cup. Okay, got yeah. it. They got qualified, it. and we did not. Yeah. So. so that's why you might not hear as much in American sports media outlets because it's not covering Team USA. Right. They're watching from the sidelines. Right. But find somebody else to root for. You could root for, you could potentially root for Iceland, the they're, smallest they're, country yeah, ever right. to compete. Right. What about Mexico? How are they looking uh, in this? I mean, Mexico, I don't pick Mexico to get out of their group. They don't have a terribly good team, and most of their players are on their last mm. tournament yeah. Um, they have a few younger players that are playing, but most of their most of their players are on the last tournament. They're probably not the favorites to go through in their group. Uh, 
Sweden now, and Germany probably are. But we have we have a number a number of Dutch listeners or people of yes. Netherlands descent. How's Netherlands looking? They are not in the tournament either. They They're did not. not qualify. Oh boy! Sorry to bring are, up the, a sore subject there, Dutch friends. They're a global powerhouse, right? That didn't qualify. Neither did Italy. Really? They have not qualified wow. either. So wow. they're they're out. Some big ones are out this time around, yeah. and uh, they it was a tough qualifying campaign in Europe. So uh, yeah, a lot wow. of them, a lot wow. of them are out. So well, uh, would you like me to incite? incite you now or later talking about the greatest teams in the history of international football sure okay all right so for our listeners you know you have not all these teams have necessarily won world cups but this is from the bbc sport uh uh website and these are what they're talking about yeah i mean at least they're they're there so these are the greatest this is the uh greatest teams in the history of international football according to bbc sport number 10 West Germany, 1974. Yeah. Gerd Müller yep. uh, Gerd was the Muller. top scorer in the bon- uh, Bundesliga for seven seasons in the yeah. 1960s and 70s. Yeah, so um, let's see here. Now, uh, the second, let's see here as I flip my pages, France, 2000, yeah. would be the ninth, would be in ninth place there. Fabien Barthez, Lillian Thurman, Laurent Blanc, Marcel Desalli. I've I've heard of him. Uh Patrick Vieira, uh Deschamps. Tierra, oh, right? Zinedine Zidane. Uh, right. uh that guy and and Terry Henry. Yeah. Yes. Okay, now I can see why. I hadn't really uh looked at the the lineup there, but I recognize those two guys. I've actually uh, uh followed a little bit of their careers even post post European soccer. Yeah. Um yeah. All right. Uh number eight, Argentina twenty ten. Argentina 2010. They got to the final. Yep, that's right. And they were thrashed by Germany uh, uh, 4-0. In the, or they Ar- thrashed, uh, let's see here. Argentina won all their group games at the 2010 World Cup, but were thrashed 4-0 by Germany right. in the quarterfinals. Okay, then they got to the final in 2014. Yeah. Sergio right. Romero, uh, let's see, Gabriel oh, Messi. Hines. Messi. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Yeah, Lionel Messi, of course, was a young man back then. Okay, Brazil 1970. Pele, of course. Pele won three of the four World Cups he competed in, 1958, 1962, and 1970, as a relatively older guy at that time. And they didn't have all the sports medicine uh, technology we have today. Netherlands, 1974. Uh, That was a a big one here. Um, Who was number five? Marco Van Basten played on that team, and... Um, isn't that Marco Van yeah. Basten? Jean Jean Blode, Rude Kroll. It's hard to pronounce all these names. Rude Hullet. Yeah, there you yeah. go. That's him. Yeah. Uh, Kryuf, Johnny Rep. Johnny Rep. Yeah. Never heard of that guy. Yeah. Johan Niskens. Yeah, I could be making up these names. You wouldn't even know, but <laughs> Johnny Rep. Never. Heard. <laughs> that's that's that actually like... it. It's a real. It's a real thing. Okay. There. Germany of 2012, of course, was a very very strong team. And that's five of two. That is number five. Sorry, number, number five. five. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see here. Let's just keep going through and see if any of these are of note to you. Brazil, 2013 with Neymar, of course. Uh, number That was number four. Number three, Spain of 2010. Spain of 2010. Uh, started the 2010 World Cup final. Um, uh, were Barcelona players. Another one, Pedro, of course, joined the Catalan club that summer. And then number two, Brazil of 1997 with Ronaldo. Uh, record leading Ronaldo. score in the World Cup history taken by Journey uh, Germany's close 
in 2014. Uh, Miroslav Klosa. Yes, Klosa. Right. And then number one, this is the one I was, I, because it, it predates both of us quite a bit. Oh. But according to BBC, okay. BBC Sport, the number one team in international soccer, Hungary, 1954. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'll have to take their word for it. This is the caption. It says, Ferenc Puskas was the oh, driving Puskas, force right. as Hungary's rise shocked the football world in the 1950s. Hmm. They had an 80% winning average. And they have all these guys, I cannot pronounce their names, but Hungary, the best team of all time, and this is what it says, the mighty Magyars dominated world football in the early 50s, inspired by the genius of Ferenc Puskas. This was a team embarking on a run for more than four years without a defeat, and they would go on to reach the 1954 World Cup. In 1953, they humiliated England with a stunning 6-3 victory at Wembley, exposing the three Lions deficiencies as they lost a home game in a non- uh, to a non-British or Irish team for the first time. England hoped for revenge in May of the following year uh, in the return fixture, but both were left embarrassed once more, thrashed 7-1 to in Budapest. Oh! Yeah. 7-1. Um, they were only denied World Cup glory by the miracle of Bern with the West Germans defying the odds and memories of that heavy defeat weeks earlier to win the final 3-2 after Hungary had gone 2-0 and ahead in the opening 10 minutes. An ankle injury suffered by Puskas meant he was not fully fit for the game, hampering the Hungarians' attempts to cement their place in the world's greatest side. For Hungary, their team of, of the time was perhaps the ultimate example of a quote-unquote golden generation. And then it kind of has all the stats to back it up. And so, wow. um, no English team makes the top 10, and this is from BBC. Sure. But which the three-line side does, uh, basically, they, they do represent a best side, but they never represent the top 10 best teams. So there's, a, there's actually a logarithm that calculated all this hmm. by percentages. Well, I can't argue with them. I know nothing about the Hungary yeah. team. But I know there's, a, there's something called a Puskas Award, which is like the greatest goal mm. of the year, I think, is the Puskas Award. And so I think he scored a lot of crazy goals. Yeah. So yeah. I think they, they award people that. And it sounds like it wasn't just a short-lived thing. I mean, four years, four years. undefeated. I mean, that's, that's wow. crazy. And um, I, I came across some other interesting tidbits I thought you might find uh, fascinating here. The most valuable football brands worldwide mm. in U.S. dollars. Which one do you think is the most valuable football brand are you talking like club about team, the club? Yeah, club or national. Club or national. I think most of these are club. I, I would think it would have to be Manchester United, but I, I'm not you are correct. positive. Yeah. $1.7 billion is what they're worth worldwide. It, they're just known everywhere. You yeah. can go to anywhere on earth yeah. and people know Manchester United. Yeah. You know who was so, a, a big Manchester City fan, by the way, was F.G. Holmshire, by the way. They, they rank in sixth place at $1.021 billion. Yeah. Uh, second, Real Madrid at $1.4 billion. Barcelona. Barcelona, that, right, yeah. literally within, within a million dollars worldwide. So they're right neck and neck there, basically a, a statistical tie. Chelsea is fourth. Bayern Munich. Uh, Bayern Munchen, Munich. Sorry, Bayern Munich or yeah. Munch. One point two billion, yeah. and then of course Paris Saint Germain, yeah, um, Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham Hotspur, and then a couple that I'm not as familiar with, the uh, uh, Borussia, Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund, yeah. Where is that at? It's in Dortmund. Dortmund, that's UK. 
No, that's in Germany. That's in Germany. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The Bo Russia throws throws me off on that. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Juventus. That's yeah. an Italian team, right? Yeah. Juventus is Italian. The Italian champion seven years straight. Okay. They're yeah. Okay. And then Everton. Yeah. Um, Everton. Wow. Everton that's at in... three hundred forty-four million. Now that puts them at one fifth of the value as Manchester yeah. United. So they're still that's that's in Liverpool. Okay. England. So you have two teams in Liverpool. Yeah, wow. it's called the Merseyside Derby, and they're on you know, like either side of really Merseyside. Okay, I guess is a river. I, Maybe I think so. Um, FC Schalke 04. Schalke Schalke. They're 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 the arch rivals to Borussia Dortmund. Okay, in Dortmund. All right, Bayer um, Leverkusen. Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, there you go. They're German as well. If you hadn't noticed, Club Atletico Madrid, of course. Yeah. Um, West Ham. Really, West Ham. West Ham, three hundred and three million. AC Milan. Yeah, seems like they used to be more popular. AC Milan was a great club side. For I remember years seeing and years jerseys and, years. and things like that ten yeah. years ago. Yeah, that those days are over. Yeah. Southampton, Leicester what? City, Southampton, Southampton, wow. Leicester City, which you know kind of was a no a idea star star like quality there for a while. Uh, VFL Wolfsburg. Yeah, Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg. Yeah. Newcastle United. Yep. Stoke City. I've read about them a couple times. They just got relegated this year. Did they? They're down in Maybe the that's why I saw it. Maybe that's why I recognize it. Yep. Uh, Swansea. That's in Wales. Okay. Uh, West Bromwich. West Bromwich Albion also got relegated this year. Uh, is Swansea, is that where Griggs is the coach? Or is he oh, the coach Ryan of the... Oh, Ryan Giggs? W- Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs was the- rumored to be the new coach, but he was not. Okay. And he played for Wales. Okay. So he's very popular in Wales. They hope that he'll eventually be Got a coach it. of Got one it. of those okay. teams. All right. Um, let's see here. Last ones here. Uh, you have Bournemouth. 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 Yeah, Bournemouth is in England as well. Olympique Lyonnais. Yeah, Lyon. Okay, that's yeah. sorry. The way I pronounce it sounds like some kind of sandwich spread. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I better stop uh, while I'm way behind there. So I'm still in my pursuit here, and I am uh, looking into Liverpool. It's yeah. definitely a top contender for me. If you could pick a second team, okay, a if it wasn't Liverpool, maybe someone that's a little farther down the list. Farther down, well, I got to tell you, Leicester isn't. If you're if you're talking England. Mm-hmm. Leicester is a very interesting team to look into in England because they have a lot of tradition. They have players you can root for. They've got, you know, they're they're sort of a blue collar team. They're, um, I don't know, they just have a great story about them. The Foxes. It's a blue collar area of England. Um, Jamie Vardy will play at the World Cup for England. Um, Riyad Mahrez, I don't know if he'll still be playing next I, year. I read them, a little bit but... about the Leicester City, how they began. Yeah. And, and I think you'd find this interesting. I believe the original club yeah. was a group of boys and young men that came from Sunday school. Right. So it was, a, it was a church group. The church doesn't stand anymore in that area where they originally were. But it was, a, it was basically like a bunch of Sunday school bo- boys, so to speak, in our terminology, when they were done with Sunday school, would go and play soccer, and they formed a club really out of this church. And I, I can't remember what kind of church it was. It, it wasn't an Anglican church, I don't believe, but it was in this little neighborhood, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where the club started. It was actually out, they would leave church and go play football. 
a lot of clubs came out of some sort of small gathering like community, of some sort. Community club. And yeah. Which is why a lot of them are called like athletic club or something mm. because they literally were an athletic club and they played cricket and they played mm-hmm. um, rugby and they played all kinds of different things. But they happened to then as they grew and grew, um, football, soccer became the main thing. And yeah. so a lot of clubs have stories that come out of absolutely nothing just a few kids getting together to play and now they're a worldwide brand you right, know it's amazing right, right. how that has worked out but yeah i would say lester you could you already know a little bit about lester um if you look into germany germany is very interesting because of the rivalries that they have so it's either you're either borussia dortmund which is yellow yellow and black huge stadium or schalke which is on the other side they're the blue side and that's that's a um, um, blue collar versus white collar sort of derby. Mm-hmm. It's called the. Um, I'm not somehow I put myself on the spot. I'm not sure what the derby is called, but it's um, it's a great rivalry. And they're in. You you probably don't want to pick the top team, right? Like you don't want to pick. No. Dor- uh, you don't want to pick. Um, Bayern Munich, right? That's right. a little boring. You right. don't want to pick Manchester United. That's a right. little boring. Probably don't even want to pick like Arsenal, right? You know, that's some of those top top teams. Right? They come along. First of all, everybody's a fan of those right. teams, yep. And everybody knows everything about them, and they're always in the news. So it can get a little boring. You, it's a little you less like interesting. Get, yeah, you want a little more obscure team, maybe in the middle of the table, so you don't have, you know, yeah, exactly. You you don't have a fear that they go down to the next league, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to, you know, buy yeah. the jersey and then find out they're relegated, right? You know, yeah, that's the last thing you need. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, Chris, hey, thanks for educating us on the World Cup and uh, sure international football in general. And listeners, you should check out the World Cup. It's a big deal, biggest deal in the world, bar none. No, no, nothing even compares to what's going on in the World Cup internationally, that is. We're going to take a short break, come back, wrap up the show. You're listening to Live Till 5, episode 269. It's Friday, June 15th, 4.53 p.m. here at the studios of KHMG. Be right back. Walk with me, Lord. God, walk with me. Walk with me, Lord, God, walk with me. While I'm on this old tedious journey, I want Jesus to walk with me. And we're back with the last few minutes of live till 5, 4.54 p.m. on the live broadcast. If you ever miss the show, tune in on Saturdays, noon to 2 or Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. Catch us on The Rebound as we rebroadcast the show in its entirety. You can also download the podcast through khmg.org. That's khmg.org. Let us know you're listening through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio Guam. A couple countries where the World Watch List from Open Doors Ministries says it's the most dangerous to follow Jesus. Number 14, Nigeria, source of persecution, Islamic oppression. There's 191 million people in the country, 88 million Christians. So there are a lot of Christians there, but there is a high level, one of the highest levels of violence against Christians anywhere in the world. It ranks at a 99%. Prayer list for them, 
Pray with the Nigerian Christians for their protection, particularly for women that are at risk of being abducted and forced to marry Muslim men. Pray for comfort, thousands of displaced Nigerian Christians, and for wisdom for uh, missionary partners that are trying to reach into the country. And in northern Nigeria, Christian communities are often left without clean water, clinics, or roads. Ask God to provide for their physical needs. Country number 15 in this list, Syria, and they're in the news a lot, 18.9 million people in the country, 900 million claim to be Christians, 900,000, I'm sorry, claim to be Christians, very low level of violence, only 22% in the violence, but every other area, church life, national life, community life, family life, and private life, all rank in that high 80% persecution range there, where there's pressure, lots of pressure on them. Here are the prayer points for Syrian uh, Christians. Pray for peace in Syria. The war is complex. Ordinary people are suffering greatly. Pray for a true turnaround. So pray for support for basic necessities. Pray for brothers and sisters that will remain encouraged and, and um, by the help that they do receive. And pray for the Syrian government and for rebel leaders that they will return to they will return to Jesus and experience the peace of God. Because without the peace of God, there's not much hope, right? So maybe the Lord will open the doors for believers to get in there and encourage those that are already Christians that are there and help establish some true change through biblical Christianity penetrating the country. And that would be just a great thing. This weekend, if you don't have a church home, I encourage you to please come visit us at Harvest Baptist Church. We'd love to have you. I'm one of the pastors here, and you can come Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. is our morning worship service. 9.30 a.m., we have our adult Bible fellowship class for all the grown-ups, and uh, we're calling it the most important adult Bible fellowship class. And it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but I asked each speaker, different guest speaker every week, to please speak on what they believe is the most important topic, Bible passage, biblical principle, that, that they believe God wants them to share. And so we have nine different men throughout the summer sharing what they believe is the most important thing they could share on that day. So I'd encourage you to be here 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning in our church auditorium here, uh, 10.30 a.m. for our morning worship service, and 6 p.m. Family Bible Hour. We have a guest speaker this week, Dr. Monroe. That'll be great as well. Father's Day this weekend. All the men that are dads that come to church this Sunday get a free CD. Yes, a CD is called, it, it's, a CD is short for compact, di- compact disc. It's a device where music is recorded upon, and you can insert it into a computer or a CD player, compact disc player. Some of you young people might not know what that is, but all the dads, they're old enough to know what a CD is, and you get a free one uh, for attending Sunday morning. So we want to encourage you to be here Sunday morning and get your free CD. That's about it for Live Till 5. It's been the fastest two hours of my week. So glad you could be with us on this Friday, June 15th, 4.59 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host of Live Till 5, episode 269. You're listening to Live Till 5 here on 88.1 FM, KHMG, Barragata, Guam. Have a great weekend.